going from. This guy started off in a um, so, uh, software company, <laughs> um, selling software and doing account, man account management for software. And he's like, tell Benny what you do. Say, 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 oh, I'm, I'm doing stuff for Lionel Messi. Uh, yeah, I had to start as creative director of Copa Nine, which is like a football platform. So, uh, yeah, talking to Chris helps me try and realise like, how the fuck I've ended up here. <laughs> like, That's pretty nuts. Nice. Absolutely brilliant, mate. Creativity can come from all corners of life, and this is the topic for this episode. I'm chatting with Matt Clerkin. I used to work with Matt at Have Actually People, um, and he started out in software sales and now he's creative director for some of the biggest brands and most famous faces on the planet. So, really looking forward to the chat. Looking forward to seeing him in a few minutes, and uh, yeah, let's get going. Oh, good. Yeah, very well, thank you. Thank you. It's been a while. Yes, yeah. Dommed out in the, uh, in the Liverpool kit as well. Well, we are going to be talking about football today, so as yeah. you can tell by the accent, you know, pure scouser. Yes, yeah, yeah, I did, <laughs> did, did think that, yeah. yeah and that's, uh, that's, it looks like a bit of a classic Brentford. It is, yeah, I was going to say, uh, there's probably 10 points for people watching this and guessing what shirt it is, but uh, this is actually the first shirt I ever had, obviously an, an adult replica of that, but uh, yeah, my dad took me to Hounslow Treaty Centre when I was six and bought me this shirt. And, nice. We used to go and watch uh, Brentford play, and my dad would lie and tell me it was Man United because they're in red and white stripes. <laughs> so, yeah. so, for about four years when I was a kid, I thought I was watching Man U. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> great. Yeah. So, actually, I mean, it's pretty cool that, you know, you've been a football fan for all that time, you know, and, um, and now you're working with some massive football brands, some, fair to say, iconic stars mm. seem to be iconic stars um it's been quite it's been quite a journey for you um and we first met and worked together at Havas, one of the Havas agencies Havas people yep um but you weren't a creative creative person in that agency where you were no. you were working for the <laughs> software part of the company Tell yes a bit, a bit about that yeah well i think when i was when i was younger my big thing was trying to break into to Havas people so like I actually worked at Engage ATS, obviously, as you know, which was like a uh, an applicant tracking system, mm. which for people that don't know is basically when you're trying to go for a job and fill out an application and you put, you upload your CV and then it's meant to copy across and it never fucking does and then you get really <laughs> angry at it. Uh, I was the guy that like, made those. I said I made, I, I did some of the front end stuff, obviously, as a team to back end developers. But I think when I was younger, I just never knew what I wanted to do and I kind of just wanted to get into like media okay. and people would be like what, what, what kind of media would I want to get into I'm like, I don't know just like the, the media <laughs> um, so going into have ass people and I think it's one thing you and I have talked about a lot like I wish when I was younger I had a better uh, understanding of this industry I think I always knew kind of what I wanted to get into but didn't even know like what it was called like you know stuff like B to B and B to C. When you're coming out as like a graduate stuff, you haven't got a clue what any of this stuff is. And I think the the industry as a whole is quite inward facing, and kind of everyone loves the the acronyms and being part of media, creative advertising, or whatever. And I think sometimes it's quite hard to find your place within it. And lots of people I speak to in the industry like have kind of had a similar thing to me. Whereas 
you go into it, you don't know particularly what you're aiming for, but it's a lot of trial and error and bounce off multiple different directions before you get on that kind of rung on the ladder that you want to you be at, I guess. Well, often people, you know, say I've been involved in lots of conversations over the years where you go, I don't know how I ended up here. Yeah. You know, and that, that, that's <laughs> yeah, a, I think that's my, to my what slogan. Saying, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like, well, how did it happen? But, but you got in the right area. And that's, I suppose, that's a, that, you know, that, that's, that's a good thing. So that being in the right space in broad statement media yeah. is actually, I think, played its part in getting you to where you are. So let's just like zoom forward to kind of, what you're, what you're doing now then, so tell us a bit about that. Uh, yeah, so I've just, uh, well I started in January at Copper 90, uh, which is a football media creative studio, so they started in 2012, it's like a YouTube channel, yeah. uh, and like most YouTube channels that have gone on to do commercial stuff, they've like monetized it through, through different kind of ways of, of advertising and whatnot on the platform. Uh, what I really like about them as well is they don't, or we don't refer to ourselves as an advertising agency or an agency. It's, it's a creative studio and I think it's quite nice because I think most people when they think of Copper 90 have seen the editorial side of things and Copper 90 Studio, which is a lot of like mid to long form documentaries, mm. um, really amazing stories like Derby Days, uh, Once in a Lifetime as well. So just kind of cool stuff that most of it doesn't have a brand attached. So the, the authenticity is there. Um, I think moving forward there'll be more stuff with brands but try not to dilute the purpose of what Copper 90 is so still like a a football view on life but with like a kind of cultural lens on top of it which a lot of people are doing now as well and I think one of the big things that's quite cool is football is no longer in isolation to the wider aspects of of culture so like nowadays the overlap of football art music fashion they're not siloed they're kind of all in one and it's quite it's quite cool you know there's a lot there's a lot of musicians you know we've seen uh who's it recently Deddy Dead Eye who's probably Eddie and Ketia come up like a rap song last week um people like Gaffer Mag and stuff as well they're just doing really really cool bits and I think it's nice that football has now become adopted by the wider community and people are kind of getting more involved in it so uh long may it continue I guess 100% I mean like you look you look at you know, the women in England football team, you know, winning the Euros, you're looking at even like the way that the shirts are being designed to say that the um, Euros England strip uh, was designed with that in mind, I think, to make it, you know, it's, yeah, part, of, um, part of everyday life or something. Yeah, it, it's good to see as well. I think the the women's Euros, like my, my missus never really been to football, but yeah. taking her to watch the final and just oh, really? seeing her, like not only, only, sorry, only, only, only at the pub, but... Uh, no, no, I wish, I wish. But, uh, but just seeing her, and like, it's one of those things where I know we've probably said a lot when it comes to like big games, but it's, it is more than football. And I think seeing that in the women's game and then, and then winning, it just like transcended all football, whatever, and just became this kind of massive turning point, I think, in the game. I still think there's a long way to go. Yeah, so, so, so Copa 90 don't have a specific separate women's division for, for kind of football content. And Charlotte, the girl that heads it up, was like, because we don't want it to be seen as a different thing. We want it to be kind of all-encompassing within the men's game as well. And it kind of, if you... It's a, it's a really interesting strategy because I've seen a lot of female-specific football content kind of uh, segregated from the men's game, whereas Copa 90 have gone for this kind of... Uh, all-encompassing, like it's football. It all sits under one umbrella. So it's it's yeah. a, an, an interesting take, and yeah, it's good to good to see how much we've evolved in the, in that sense of the game. 
So, going from working for an applicant tracking system mm. to Copper 90. What was that? What was? How did you make that change? Because that for me like feels like I'm like really chuffed when I hear about this. Like now you're in this you know, highly creative role, brilliant, and you clearly enjoy it, and you're seeing it over the years doing it. Mm. What was the kind of what was the not quite the turning point? It's not make it that dramatic, but you know what was that? What was that point where you know, was it the what was the first role? Where you started thinking about it, talking to people about it. Yeah. You know, what started it for you? It's uh, a good question. I think the only time I really contemplate it is when I'm talking with you you know like life just life just gets in the way and just crack on and and, but um I think when I left Engage ATA I always like I said before I wanted to get into like media stuff I wanted to kind of be involved and I just never knew what that was I just wanted to be in that region that area Mm. Uh, when I left Engage ATS I went to Creative Brief which is like an intermediary um, and for those who don't know, an intermediary in advertising is basically connecting brands with agencies and you're the kind of middleman. So I had a lot of exposure to processes of brands pitching on kind of, uh, of agencies pitching on big brands. So like Starbucks, uh, some Adidas stuff in there as well. And that really gave me an oversight of the industry. And that's when I started looking at things and being like, wow, like, I really want to do that. Like, it's the only, it's, I like seeing behind the curtain and being like, shit, this is like amazing. Like people are, I can't believe, I think it's the first time I realized that being like a creative was a job. I was like, you know, I had loads of mates that have been creative from way before I was maybe doing shoots with like massive players and whatever. And I'm like, you get paid to do that. Like, um, so yeah, that working at, working at Creative Brief was like a big one for me. Um, and then I just, yeah, I just, that was it. That was the catalyst. That was the spark. I just didn't really know how to get in to that part of the industry. I've always been creative to an extent, like outside. Like I've always like, made terrible garage music and uh, like DJed and tried my hands at loads of things. And like, I, I still don't think of myself as like a creative. I think I know so many people that are more creative than I am. But advertising creative kind of works for me. So like, um, so yeah, when I came out of there, I worked at a company called Zach Flip Wild, did like head of marketing, which was probably the most like creative I'd been. So it's kind of being able to do creative stuff, but B2B assets. So trying to like make Zach's work look really cool and really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was like head of marketing, new business role. Was that, the, um, was that in Hatton Garden? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, we were next door to each other. Yes, that was it, yeah, yeah. We bumped into each other. Yes, yeah, I remember, you were like, this, yeah. that was amazing, I thought about that. Yeah, so I was there for a while. That didn't really work out. I also realised that that job wasn't for me. But that had opened my eyes really to like, that's the first time I'd done any real creative bits. Like even just making like internal sizzle reels and stuff. I was like, oh, this is like, imagine if I did this consumer facing and on a good brand I love. So that really gave me the bug. And then uh, met Glenn Kitson, which uh, was probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Like he's an absolute, absolute legend. And for those who don't know Glenn, who's now like the meme lord, which is really yeah. frustrating because you know, people would be like, oh, what, you work at the rig out? Yeah, yeah, like, do you do all the memes? I'm like, no, no, we make, we make, we make good work, I promise. It's not just like slating celebrities for looking at other people. But, um, it's kind of a big deal on Instagram, isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah, he's done. But he is one of the, like, the funniest, weirdly smart intellectual people I know, like, and I met, I've known him, I've known him for a few years, three people, kind of Jackson and Sean and a few other friends. And when I left Zach, I knew that I wanted to just 
beeline for creative. I had nothing to lose and I was like, I just want to do it now. And if I have to start right at the bottom, then like, fuck it, so be it. I'd rather just get paid less, work longer hours, but just do something that I know that I want to do for like the next 20 years. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and then McLenn, and then yeah, just like, he was like, yeah, like he's, I, he's just proper Bolton, like really laid back. And he was like, yeah, come work with us. And like, but I don't really have like any consumer facing stuff and he's like I don't even know what that means but yeah sweet <laughs> and Glenn, Glenn is the archetypal like you look at the stuff that the Rigat's done over the years and I've been at agencies that sweat over like really small details or like a pitch deck and stuff and then I went and worked at the Rigat and it was like so laid back so chilled and I think that people actually buy into that a lot yeah. more which is like I remember when I first started, because I, I started the rig out still like a bit of a new business head on, which I've still got now because I think I just came through doing loads of that. Um, and I said to Glenn, like, how do you, how do you get, he keeps doing so many good jobs. And I'm like, how do you get these jobs? Like how, what job boards or like what recruiters or whatever? And he's like, just, just uh, Instagram. I was like, what do you mean just Instagram? He's like, yeah, people just, people just message me on Instagram. They're like, I want to do a job. Like, so he, these are kind of 30 to 50 grand jobs, but I just coming in thick and fast and like he's he's just someone that's so unconventional that I think people just love it and buy into it. And that's that's what the rig out was. The rig out was exactly that. And luckily for me, I met him at the right time and the right place to join the rig out and just get access to loads of stuff that had I gone in as a junior creative at Ogilvy or somewhere, I would probably still not be working hands on our projects now. So yeah, like, yeah, true. Yeah. So I was just very like, I think I've worked my ass off to get where I am, but like, yeah, there's also, as with any industry, a lot of luck that's required to kind of get to where you are. You put yourselves in the right places, you carry yourself in a certain way, which vibes well with someone else. And yeah, yeah. It kind of comes together, doesn't it? Big time, big so time. What, so some of the brands that you started out with, kind of what was your, what was your first? Was uh, your first I think the first one I did with Glenn and the rig out, which was like a proper shoot, was uh, was Lee Cooper, actually. It was Lee Cooper, Fabric of London. Yeah. We were in a studio kind of like this, yeah. like big old, like I'd never been in front of like white coves and stuff before, so I was just on set, kind of walked straight across it and the uh, producer was like, get your fucking feet off the coat. <laughs> Everyone else got like little blue bags on and there's me just cutting across the thing. Like, um, yeah, that was that was sick. That was out in uh, oh, where is it? Park like near Park Royal, one of the big hangers out there. Uh, and it was just amazing. And I knew as soon as I set foot on that that shoot, I was like, this is what I want to do. Like, I, and I was just kind of like, so I'd done a lot of creative, came up with, like the strap line for that, did a lot of behind the scenes stuff. But then again, what was wicked about being quite a small creative studio is like got to be on set, got to do loads of stuff on set, just standing there with the monitor, like I knew what I was doing. Like, oh yeah, yeah, sweet, this is great. Like. Um, so yeah, that was that was one of the big ones. Um, they obviously did the stuff with Under Armour and Anthony Joshua, which yeah, was nice. like that was amazing. I know we talked about it before, so I won't kind of dwell on it too much. But yeah, that was uh, we did two shoots with him. One actually just up the road in a village underground, so we put a ring in there, and then the other one at his gym in out towards Watford Way. Um, but yeah, that was that was class. And normally with talent as well, you get like five minutes, especially football. Whereas with AJ, we had like six hours and like, it's quite weird sitting in his Winnebago making small talk, just like, oh, how's it going, man? <laughs> <laughs> you say, because um, he was, he was a heavyweight champ, was he at the time? You, didn't you say, um, oh, how's it going? Like, how's it going <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never lived that down. I've never, yeah. Yeah, well, you're absolutely bricky. Man, he is though, isn't he? Uh, yeah. He was at the time. So. Yeah. So that was, yeah, that was wicked. And then 
I think the thing is as well, we had, we had a conversation yesterday or a few days ago like, about becoming more senior. And I think I became, because I came into creative so late, I still just really love it. Like, and I know there's a lot of people that kind of, the older they get, they want to move upstairs and they want to manage a team, do whatever. And like, when, I, when I speak to people, or if I speak to recruiters and they're like, oh, we've got this job and it's you know, quite senior, be overseeing like, a team of, I just don't want to do it yet. Like, I just want to keep making stuff keep bettering myself and also I'm at that kind of position where like I don't feel like I know enough yet to be able to help other people flourish you know what I mean like there's certain people that I look at like Glenn's a prime example someone like he went to like Ridley Scott's academy and stuff and I know he's like really chilled and laid back he's very smart and very intelligent and he's someone that I learned a lot of but I kind of feel like I need to be in here a few more years and then can start kind of looking after teams and do whatever. So I'm a great hype man in a team. I love rallying people and cheering them up. But in terms of like a go-to for like, shit, we need this, we need this. I'm a bit like... Well, look, everyone has got passion for the, the process is really important, isn't it? And yeah, everyone, yeah. I think everyone needs to have that. It doesn't matter what level you get to, I think. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And I think also, when we talk about Glenn, I think that's probably why he got so much business because, you know, they'll... There wasn't so many layers involved. 100%, yeah, very yeah. relaxed. Yeah. Not all of a sudden thinking, right, it needs to be all these pitch decks, at least 100 slides, you know. We've all seen it before. It's crazy, years. yeah. The, um, the amount of stuff that goes into that, and you're like, brands just want to know, like, can you do it? Is it going to be within budget? Like, yeah, it's amazing. People trying to put metrics and stuff on it before it's even started. You're like, especially on like 30, 40 grand jobs. You know, if you're talking massive, above the line, global things then I guess you have to take more of a calculated risk but some of the stuff I've done in other jobs for like 20 grand jobs is just crazy like so so crazy so who else have you worked on this so you, I'm sure you mentioned Messi yesterday uh, yeah yeah so Copper 90 doing a few bits I haven't yet worked with the great man himself but there's uh, I've put together a few pitch decks with Pepsi worked quite closely with him uh, and it's like Vinny Jr. is going to be like the new the new man to take the reins after that which is quite cool Um just trying to think who else is there. It's just been quite, quite a lot of people recently. Um, Copper, Copper 90 is quite a funny one because they work with talent, football talent, so so closely. So like you'll see a meeting in the diary and it'd be like so-and-so like meeting for, about Vinicius Junior or something. Like they're not, they're not there, but it's even just like writing creative thoughts for like these people. And that, that's, I think that's the biggest time I've, I've reflected and been like, this is mental like this is absolutely crazy and kind of I was at the pub the other day talking about it and I was like I really need an idea for like Vinicius Junior and the people were just like what? And I was like yeah I can't, I can't. it was a Pepsi it was a Pepsi thing and I was just like kind of opening it to the table like anyway anyone got anything like, that's brilliant um, but it does and like I said to you before without sounding like ungrateful like I'm still on cloud nine like I love doing all this stuff but ultimately it's a job you have deadlines you have stuff and like I think for the first time in my life because Copper 90 is quite fast paced, whereas the rig out we'd work on one, maybe two jobs over a period of time. You just got time to just chill out, and that's when most of the, you know, anyone will tell you that's when creativity and thoughts come to you the most. Whereas Copper 90 is quite, I wouldn't say churn because the, the quality of work is amazing, but it's quite fast paced. So like, there are times now where it's like Wednesday morning, you need to present back, and it's like Tuesday afternoon, you're like, I have no fucking clue. Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And that, but that's where you go into the pub and stuff and having a chat with your mates and like, you get inspiration from, from everywhere. So uh, It's all there, isn't it? It's kind of there in the background. Yeah. Where you just, you need a bit of kind of 
urgency just to force it all through. Yeah, it? and that's like I was saying to you the other day as well. It's the first time, like I'm, I'm not learning the job, like I've got the skills there, but I'm kind of learning how to deal with different environments. And I think for the first time now is, is the time where I've started putting together like concepts and ideas in a little black book that, you know, you pitch them into a client, they're like, maybe not now or maybe for next season. I think mean, before I've always had the luxury of being able to take my time on a project, especially when I was at the rig out and like, say when I worked to Amplify, I'd only be on like one project. So you, they just, you live and breathe it for X amount of time. You'll be on it for like eight weeks. Whereas, you know, copy are kind of juggling stuff and it's also because I'm more fixed term than, than freelance now. But it's the first time I started like writing ideas down and coming back and revisiting them. And I said to you like, before I think it was a, a Romish Ranganathan podcast like, oh, yeah. when he started when he started doing stand-up and like he'd go to different shows and do different material or all these different shows and someone was like wow man like this is amazing like you know you don't have to do that <laughs> and that's kind of how I felt about creative ideas I like, was just going into stuff just every time be like it needs to be fresh it needs to be a new idea and then like one of the lads at Copper was like you know you like you might as well have these in a kind of just a one pager somewhere that you can revisit tweak slightly reskin do whatever so it's just working smarter, I think. When there's a higher volume of, of work to be done, you've got to be a bit smart about it. So, mm. again, you just, you just learn these things as you, as you do them, I guess. It's very true, actually. It's like, in a way, you could argue that an idea you put in front of a client and they go, it's not quite now. Yeah. Because you just, like, minimum viable producting it, testing it, yeah. and then actually realising maybe it's not right for them. Yeah. And then you go, right, okay. It's what innovation is, ultimately, isn't it? It's yeah, yeah. taking something, adapting it. 100%. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's a nice way to do it. I mean, look, it's, we, could, we could chat, this could be like, this could be a couple of hours in this episode, <laughs> but, um, so it's, it's fair to say that, you know, I think I mentioned this already, but you've always had that, you know, creativity. I mean, I remember in the office in, in the agency in Farringdon, you know, you always, you always dressed dapper, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, yeah. you, know, you, you got, got the cool trousers on, you know. Yeah. I, think, I know exactly the day you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think actually someone went to um, Instagram, um, Havis people Instagram account. Oh, yeah. Your trousers Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. The loudest <laughs> post of all time. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's fair to say creativity has, has always been, you know, you've always had it. Mm. What... What is what is creative? Because that starts <laughs> off with you know um, people's view of creativity. Yeah, sure. You know, can be can be different. But yeah, what is creativity for you? What does that mean? It's a good question. I think um, I think getting older, I realised like when when I was younger, I used to think that everyone thought the same as me. So therefore, like mm-hmm. you think everyone's quite alike, and then whether it be your music preferences or your film stuff, you start to realise that you you have a unique view of the world and then how you communicate that to the world is is your creativity and I like said to you before like I I wish I was good at drawing like I'm fucking terrible at drawing like and I always thought that was creativity I I, a lot of people have their own interpretation of what it is Mm -hmm. I always thought creativity was being able to draw or like be a designer make really cool shit Mm -hmm. and then that's kind of why I used to think being a creative and advertising wasn't a real thing because I was like I never thought my mind was that way inclined to be like, oh, this is creative. But it's, for me, I just think it's your, your outlook of the world, the way you factor different stuff in and then what comes out at the end of it is like your unique representation of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's like we talked about before as well. I think everyone's creative as a kid. I think it's kind of like making mistakes and kind of just putting forward your opinion of something with enough 
oomph that people buy into it. And I think that's what a lot of, especially advertising creative is, is kind of being very behind an idea that people buy into it. And I think if you say anything with enough confidence and it's like relatively good, people will buy into that, that whole thing. Um, but we talked about that podcast before, the TED Talk of, I've forgotten the guy's name. That talks oh, about. so Kenneth Robinson. Yes. Uh, one of the most popular TED Talks. Is it Schools Killing Creativity? Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I see, I, I really get that now. I think when I first saw that TED Talk years ago, I was like, I don't know. And now I think about it and I think, yeah. I think because it's quite hard to put any, like we talked earlier briefly about like metrics against advertising campaigns. I think when you have binary subjects like a maths where it's like, this is wrong, this is right it's easy to put score against it. Whereas creativity is so hard to put any, any kind of scoring metric against it because it's so subjective. Um, but yeah, I, I think one of the biggest things I've said to myself over the last kind of two years was that I wanted to make it more accessible for people from like working class backgrounds to, to get into being creative. And I feel like those, those doors are opening more. And I think my biggest barrier to entry was that I just didn't even know it was a job. I genuinely... And probably, like, I blame, like, the system, but also, like, I wasn't really looking to hear any, like, student guidance counsellors and stuff when I was younger, just because oh, okay. I was a bit of a knobhead. But, um, oh, but it's down to how it's also delivered to you, isn't it? Like, yeah, you know, it's yeah. Like, it's creativity in, in, it's creativity in selling creativity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. And I, I've always said it, like, I've, I always thought you had to go to, like, Central St. Martins or Goldsmiths or somewhere like that to do this job. And then you realise that you don't. And also, the thing that makes me really happy is seeing how many, like, 18, 19-year-olds are just running around with, like, cameras filming and editing, and I'm like, whoa. Like, there were, there were literally kids without sounding patronised that I work with that can just do everything. And you're like, fucking hell, that's incredible. And, and it's also kind of like the kind of like the music industry where you don't need a label anymore. Kids are just doing it themselves like the kids are done. and that creativity that outlet that channel of doing stuff I just find amazing uh, and I'm like I hope I hope that continues I imagine it will well look people have got studios in their pockets now. yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's just brilliant you know, it takes like the likes of TikTok to come along to actually make like, all that tech a lot more accessible yeah um, I even like yesterday I was at a um, Easter liturgy at my kids school one of my kids school and they all got in front, they all lined up and they all took their turn in front of the mic and they were fine. Yeah, yeah. Like, I wouldn't be that age, I would have been like, you know, six or seven. I don't really know. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I think it's partly down to kind of how thought parents is <laughs> put cameras in front of them all the time. You know, yeah, it's more natural. Desensitizer, you know, yeah, yeah. Exactly, you know, but yeah, I think, yeah, I'm also really, really hopeful of that. I think that, I mean, obviously, you know, the internet itself is kind of that democratisation of knowledge and I think you know it's it's fantastic because it doesn't matter where you are or the entry to barriers entry really low you get your phone out and you can just yeah assume stuff and get inspired by other stuff yeah it's brilliant yeah it is okay so how do you like manage say how do you manage your kind of it's all about managing mental health or physical health, but how do you manage your creative, your huh. creative health? That is a good question as well. Uh, it is difficult, I think. Coming coming on to the point that we talked about previously in terms of like having a little black book of concepts and kind of coming back to it and whatever, but it it's difficult to find inspiration sometimes. And I think the more you let go, the more creativity comes to you. So in terms yeah. of like... <laughs> 
I've because I started doing like account management and being an account director and doing new business, I'm used to being present and busy all the time. Yeah. And whereas a creative, I find you're more like it doesn't matter how you got there, just get to that point that's important. But I will still very far too often sit at a desk and kind of look at a laptop rather than go for a walk. Again, again, it's those things of like learning on the job, like kind of learning to just have a bath or, or something like that, you know? Um, and I do think it's the most I've ever felt mentally burnt out has been as a creative. And I feel like it makes you sound really precious about stuff. And like, I'm, I'll be the first person to bring an idea to a meeting and be like, look, if everyone thinks it's a shit, let's bin it kind of thing. But you do, when it, when it comes from somewhere quite deep inside and you have to like fight for it, it can, it can be quite tiresome. And then, like, working with other creatives on bits as well. And then you have an idea. Like, it's really hard when you find something that you really like because then you have to run it by people and everyone's got their own opinion. And that's before it even goes to the client. And then it comes back and then there's been loads of tweaks and you start to, like, see this thing that you had disappear in front of your very eyes. And it's like, how much do you want to fight for that? Or how much are you just going to go, do you know what? It's It's an advert about toothpaste or something yeah. like, do I really, do I really care like yeah. so it's just it's just picking those battles and I feel like don't get me wrong like when I was a camp director and stuff I worked my ass off till like late at night but it was quite you knew what was there and you knew what needed doing and when you've got that mound of work piling up it's really shit but like it's very like I know what to do I know who to speak to whereas creative is that kind of I constantly have that fear of like what if I just don't think of anything this time what if there's just nothing like and luckily touch wood I haven't been at that point in my career yet but it's inevitably going to come where like you just sit down at a meeting and that's like what have you got three it's, ideas you're like I don't got anything so I've got nothing for you right now it's, um, it's the Don Draper's a Mad Men yeah, yeah. I think it was actually the first episode yeah. uh, in, in Mad Men um, was that where they're doing the Brit- uh, uh, Lucky was it Lucky Strike yeah and um, yeah that's it he's, he's been given the research um, by the, the German research and of course he's cynical of the research and like puts it in the bin yeah and then pete campbell who's the, <laughs> you know the account director yeah he takes the research out and um when it seems like don draper's got nothing um pete campbell goes oh we do have an idea <laughs> and it's around it's also around people having death wishes oh yeah 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 because the research shows that people have a death wish yeah should act in the cell yeah and the client just went what are you talking about? <laughs> and then Don Draper just goes into it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think it was kind of pitched at the way the story was going was that this kind of, he was a struggling ad man, you know, with up and coming people kind of nipping at his heels. Yeah, um, yeah. And he was clawing through ideas. Yeah. But you could argue that that was there because he was in the diner while he was having a drink and yeah. he was speaking to the, to the waiter saying, why do you, why'd you smoke you? these brand of cigarettes. So he's doing his research. So maybe he actually just needed to wait until that time for it to come. That's it. And I think that's when you, when you do creative stuff as well, you just all, you don't realise how much every day just goes into your mind, like where you pick stuff up from. And like, I've quoted films and stuff before that I didn't realise that I've watched and kind of old adverts and it's quite fun. I think, I think when that, when that fun stops and you start feeling like you're recycling the same bits, I feel like that's when I'll take like a, 
kind of overseeing role, hopefully. But yeah. at the moment, it's just it's just wicked. Like you know, there's there's good days and there's there's bad days, and like the Don Draper days where you think like you get that imposter syndrome kick in pretty hard, and you're like, fuck, like. But mostly, if you're just working with people that you like, working on cool brands with good talent, it's, it's I'm just eternally grateful. Like it's one of those things where it's just wicked to go and to go and do it. And yeah, you know, I said before there there are deadlines and it's tough, but just glad I found it and no offence to anyone working in the ATS world but I'm glad I'm not doing that anymore because I was terrible at it as well yeah. so no you're, you're a legend you're right that's, that's for sure but, but it got to where you are now isn't it? yeah well look we appreciate it mate thank you so, man, thank you very much for having me always a pleasure cheers um, get back sounds good